0: Welcome to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace. I'm Peter Larkham and today we're talking with Matthew Holman, a fellow MHFA instructor, speaker and advocate. Our topic today is how we can be a 24-hour human. So last year Matt's daughter was sectioned after attempting to take her life and we touch on how it impacted him as a dad. And the support that they received. We're also going to be talking about how we switch off to be more productive and that we need to talk about the positives of mental health. So here's my conversation with Matthew Holman.
1: So a little bit about myself. So I have my own mental health uh, business. So I work with organisations today around mental health training and delivery and consulting. Um, that was something that's happened in the last sort of four years five years for me. But um, I had a corporate career for 20 years, um, traveled all over the world, had this really glamorous life, apparently, according to, uh, to the people that were looking from the outside in. And it wasn't true at all, actually. I had a really difficult challenge with traveling very frequently and, and the experiences that that sort of brought to me, which came to a head in 2016 when I was uh, let go from a job. And I'm very proud of that now because it means that I'm on the course of helping support people with mental health. And I was let go from that job very suddenly. I was in the US and it created this wonderful thing called post-traumatic stress, uh, which was something that took a while for me to recover from. Um, I'm doing well now. I know what my triggers are, so I avoid them like the plague. And in particular, one of those is having a boss. So I don't have a boss anymore, um, which was one of my sort of objectives uh, coming out of that organization. And I support others. And I think that's really important. Peter mentioned Samaritans earlier. I've been a Samaritans volunteer since 2015. Very proud of that role. But on reflection, I can look back and say I probably took it a year too early because I was doing that traditional thing of helping others before helping myself. Um, So something I'm very conscious of, although, of course, I did a good service when I was, at Samaritan for that first year, but now I can, you know, use that as part of my experience of life, I guess, I'm in the right place. Um, and then the, the other part of my bow, which I know Peter and I will, will talk about during this is, is being a parent. And as many people who will either listen to this or who are listening to this will, will understand being a parent brings its own responsibilities, uh, which are quite important, of course. And to my sort of my, my area of parenting, the challenge we've had is we've, we've got one child who has been diagnosed with a serious mental illness uh, back in 2018, uh, to the point that she was, uh, she she attempted to take her life last year, sectioned under the Mental Health Act and so many other things going on that she stayed in hospital for a year. So you know, that's been pretty hard, but she's home. And I want to send a positive message in this introduction that says she's home and she's doing so well. And I'm really proud of her as a parent. I couldn't be more proud of the journey she's been on. Of course, it's been really hard for us. It's been amazing, intensively hard for her, of course. Um, but yeah, she, she's brilliant. She's amazing. She's, uh, she's 18. She learning to strive. She's back at college, wants to be a mental health nurse. So there we go.
0: That was a great introduction. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. One of the things that you were talking about uh, just in that introduction um, is your daughter kind of getting to a point of uh, attempting her life, which is just an incredibly shocking experience for anyone. But kind of from a dad perspective, um, kind of just the process, because when I talk about it on mental health training courses, I often say that when people know someone who has attempted or completed suicide is that the common phrase is we never saw it coming. Uh, and I've always wondered kind of from a close family member. So from, from your perspective, being the dad, were there any kind of inklings was there anything that kind of made you think something's not, not quite right? Or was it completely by surprise?
1: Well, it was a surprise, And I think anybody would say it was a surprise when somebody attempts to end their life. Um, You know, we we had some signs, definitely. But one thing, if we go back just a few weeks before, we were on holiday in the South of France. My wife's from the South of France and we were seeing family. And my daughter was diagnosed in 2018 with anorexia and, Of course, eating is a big thing, you know, for holidays and for families and the Southern French, Southern French, of course, is is, is part of the culture. And and we saw changes which were really nice. And there's there is this sort of and, you know, I train mental health as well. And this calm before the storm, I guess we could call that because we saw lots of positives during that experience of the holiday where she was doing really well. Um, She was enjoying food again, which we hadn't seen for a long time. She was asking for things she hadn't. and I think she was trying things and her anxiety levels were quite low while we were away, as far as we were aware. And we came home and we thought everything was looking better. And, and to the point, actually, she'd been under the CAMS mental health service for, um, for about 18 months at that point, And they were about to discharge her. They were that confident she was doing OK. Um, she turned 17 in the August. So a couple of weeks after we returned from holiday, she turned 17. She had a party um, and the party was horrendous. It was at our house, there was about 50 other people came. They weren't, and they were all good children, good young people. They weren't, there was no real issues with them. But she couldn't handle that party. She found it really um, drained her anxiety. And it was the next day that she actually tried to end her life for the first time. And during the sort of the the period between the two points, there was a couple of instances, a couple of things that happened. My auntie passed away suddenly. And I cried for the first time in front of my daughter. Now I've cried a few times. You know, she doesn't know because it's not always when she's there. But she found that very difficult to sort of process herself, seeing her dad sort of this, this character that's supposed to be the one that puts his arms around her and be vulnerable. And and she saw that. I think that had an impact definitely. She saw some vulnerability that she wasn't sure of. She found it difficult. And then there was uh, a Spotify account we share a Spotify account. My daughter and I we love music. We love sort of musical theater and things like that. And she was looking at suicide songs. That was what she was searching for. So I could see the search history in in Spotify. And it did ring alarm bells. I did address it with her. I did talk to her about it and she said, "Oh, no, no, no. It's just I feel sad at times, so I just look at sad songs. That's what she was looking for." And so without sort of sitting over her shoulder and she's a 17 year old as well so she doesn't want her dad sat there watching her all the time like a hawk that's sort of where we ended up in the end of you know sort of august beginning of september of last year was she just couldn't cope anymore and just to make sort of so you understand what's going on and why these things were going on with her in particular was earlier well sort of the best part of three or four months ago I guess now she was diagnosed on the autistic spectrum and it actually answered a lot of the questions as why she got to those points there was lots of challenges lots of anxiety lots of other underlying things that were going on that we just didn't know about now we've got a much greater awareness and understanding of the challenges she was going through. Were all anxiety related. Why did she stop eating? Why was she, you know, restricting her food intake? Why was she showing high levels of anxiety around a party, which we'd all, you know, hope that we'd have a bit of fun about. Maybe we're a bit anxious about some food or drink getting spilt somewhere, but it was quite an extreme form that she was going through. So yeah, so did we see it? No. Did we have to deal with the impact? Yes. Do we have to live with the consequences of that? Absolutely. Um, do we blame ourselves? I think we probably do. And I think that's one of the challenges. You know, we did for a long time think it was our fault and our responsibility. And and actually, we we didn't really see it. And I think that's, that's where we're at with it, to be honest with you, Peter.
0: You know what? Thank you. Um, it's, <laughs> I find myself uh, in this place kind of asking some really, really tough questions. So thank you so much for the... The perspective that you gave and the the journey and just that kind of also the acknowledgement of were there moments of guilt yes you know um is it right to feel that I'm still trying to still trying to figure it out you know um because i mean also the, the the reason i wanted to to talk with you is as a as a fellow kind of mental health advocate um, and kind of the experience of the the world that we are in uh, at this time. The thing that kind of scares me is, as I kind of look over the next few months, um, having kind of been in, in the lockdown, potential second lockdown, I don't know whether it is potential or inevitable, um, kind of looking at France and, and others and the, the impact that COVID is having on our mental health. Um, And I know that one of the things that you're really pushing at the moment is the the 24 hour human. Um, And what what that means, you know, what does that mean for for you in the context of of what you've got in your T-shirt?
1: You know, this has been born out of so many different parts of my life, really. You know, the, the reality that when I used to work overseas, I'd be working 16, 18 hour days, you know, it's like I had to buy time from everywhere that I could find it. That was sleep, that was, in, you know, the exercise, that was family, that was everybody that I could sacrifice to do my job. And that's horrible so now I'm very focused on 24 hours is a really important part you know to be conscious of I think the other element of this is you know looking at the experiences that we all go through all the time you know we've got things we have to do every day but we've also got things that we can choose to do every day and we should choose more good stuff and I did this TED talk last year which was this right 24-hour humans um what I really, what I'm really interested in now is at that point, I had seven days to prepare for that talk, right? That's not normal for a TED talk. Normally you get nine months, right? Um, I had seven days. I was a last minute addition. Very similar to today, actually, Peter, you know. And, and, but you know what? It's that experience of life that I love. I grab hold of these opportunities and say, you know what? I can do it. And, and the only thing I had to do at that point was make some adjustments to my time. Right, time is such an important element to all of this. Our lives are all dictated by time. If you think about schedules, you think about routines, you think about every morning when you wake up, you wake up at a certain time, you're very fixated on certain things. That's why my question was about the change in hours. I woke up this morning, give me an example. Woke up this morning, my wife, and we we don't have a clock in our room, my wife's got a a Fitbit. I asked my wife what the time was, she said it's half past six. I thought, great, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna go to the gym. Got up, picked up my phone from the other room, half past five. So, you know, so it, it gave me an extra hour today. So I didn't look at it and go, oh my God, this is horrendous. I looked at it and went, this is great. And that's exactly what I talk about when i talk about 24 hour humans. Every single one of us is as rich as each other in time. We cannot buy more, we cannot sell any. What we can do is invest it really well. I know I need eight hours sleep. And I, since my daughter's come home, I've stopped drinking alcohol. Okay, that was a choice I made. I made it consciously. Stopped drinking alcohol and i've slept eight hours solid every night and that's normal and that's something that i've been really happy about because i love sleep i know if i get a good quality sleep then actually i'm great for the day and i've felt the best i've felt for a very very long time
0: i think if i woke up at half past five that the last thing that goes through my head is oh great i've got another hour you know uh, everything inside my head is going I, i've got to get back to sleep i've got another hour hours worth of sleep that i can have uh, in the midst of this you know um but I think there, there is definitely a, a mind shift, isn't there? Definitely a mind shift of do we wake up in the morning and are we actively thinking, right, what does today hold? What are my priorities? Uh, I was talking to a lady the other day and she said, I feel like I am so busy all the time. And we touched on this just the other, just the other day as well. Uh, I feel like I'm so busy all the time. And I said, are you busy being busy or are you busy being productive? And she literally had this kind of moment where it was as if I just slapped her around the face, you know? And she just kind of was like, you know, I'm just busy being busy. I don't think I'm really productive in any of the stuff I do. So
1: first rule of
0: 24-Hour Humans is we don't say the word busy. That's the reality.
1: Stop using it as an excuse stop using it as a shield to stop you from doing the things you want to do that's my reality so my thoughts are I don't tell people I'm busy I just do things that make me feel good or I try to do as many things as possible cram in as many things to help support the things I want to do mental health awareness helping my daughter helping others that's what I do
0: hang on don't use the word busy but just crack on and do the stuff that you want to do is that is it really that simple well if you focus on it absolutely why not why not well that that was that was a nice simple simple process
1: (laughs) well i'll tell you what though i'll tell you why i look at it that way right is i can i can do loads of things somebody looks at my diary they'll say oh my gosh you're so busy you've got so many things going on that's fine crack on if that's what you see then that's what you see my reality is I only put things in my diary that I really want to be involved in doing. So when I'm training, mental health training, I'm really excited about being on that course, delivering that course to others. When I'm working on you know, my golf swing, that's because I'm investing my time in something for me. When I go for a run or meet up with friends or whatever it is that's me investing in time to do those things. And I think that's something that for me, it yeah, looks like of I'm doing interview. the B word, but you know, it's, I don't think about it that way. And actually what that does is it clears my head a lot to not feel overwhelmed with so many things going on.
0: We're going to be back to this interview in just a second. I want to tell you about a video course I made called mentality. It's a one hour mental health video course delivered by me. It gives you the need to know essentials to spot the signs of poor mental health and take action. So here's what other people have said about it. Maria said, I was surprised how it made me think about myself and even my friends and family. Patients feedback said, mentality is eye opening. It helps you support someone to get the help they need, perhaps potentially saving their life. James's response says, it was the best course I've been on. I had the attention span of a gnat and I was gripped for the whole time. You see, poor mental health is devastating so many people all over the world. And yet, despite a general recognition that there's a problem, very few people know what to do. We miss the signs of poor mental health, or if we see someone struggling, we don't know what to do. And that's where mentality steps in. It's the need to know essentials on how to spot the warning signs and take appropriate action to respond. All packaged together in a digestible one-hour video training course for your workforce. It's designed for everyone. Because every person, whoever you are, can be affected. To access mentality, simply visit www.mentality.work. That's www.mentality.work. Click on Enroll, add your details and enjoy. Mentality. Spot the signs and take action. And so let's get back to the second half of our interview. Statistics at the moment are are raging about our inability to switch off. More so since COVID, since, since being in lockdown and working from home, more people are struggling to switch off. At the end of the day, and we find ourselves going back to work after dinner, into the evening, uh, before we go to bed. How do we switch off so we can be more productive? Because it's a bit of an, a countercultural prospect that you switch off to be more productive.
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we're fixated on is switching off at the end of the day. Why? Why can't we switch off during the day? Why? Could, why do we have to wait until seven or eight o'clock at night to switch off? It's, it's, it's rubbish. You know, I switch off during the day to have a nap. I love having a nap. It's great. It refreshes me. It repairs me. It prepares me for the sessions I do. I train like a morning session, afternoon session. And in the middle of that, I'll have a nap. People find it bizarre. They'll say, what, well, you've had a sleep in the middle? So, yeah, and? You know, that's my choice. But it doesn't make me any less professional. It doesn't make me, give me the uh, you know, no, no ability to do my job. So we have to change our mindset. We have to think, well, actually switching off can happen at any time in the day preferably not when you wake up because that would be quite challenging but you know at some point if you need to switch off do it one thing i've i've done a lot of sort of these conversations over covid and and i do a lot with technology and with travel in particular because i still do a lot of work with travel and they say you know what's the new tech what's the new thing and i said it's simple i said the problem is we get fixated on complexity my company, simpler, which is the name, which is a reason, which means I just want things to be easier or simpler, of course. Um, is the piece of tech that we forget we have is the off button. You can turn it off. The problem is we don't turn it off because what we tend to do is leave it on until we have to reset or, you know, and then we'll turn it off. Why don't we just turn it off? Just Get away from it. And I think it's so important for us to sort of recognise some of those elements. So don't feel like we have to switch off at the end of the day. Switch off in the middle and you can come back onto it, tune into it and so on. So hopefully that's interesting.
0: I'm loving, I'm loving this uh, context. Um, but I, I, I was disappointed when you said you can't switch off having just woken up. Because that sounds like the best time <laughs> to switch off, doesn't it? you, know, you switch off the alarm But, but loads of people on the chat bar up. are kind of saying, you know, that's it, no, <laughs> <not. Yeah. laughs> having a nap. Uh, naps in the middle of the day are a much loved thing. Um, and I was just, I was going well, as soon as you said it, I said, you need to talk to Chandy, uh, who I know is on the call today. Um, because he is an absolute fan of a, of a nap. And sure enough, on the chat bars, you go down, nap a day is in my schedule, says Chandy, you know, uh, definitely nap. And, and Andy says, a guy worked for me for years, uh, and used to go to his car, have 30 minutes under the blanket every day, you know, um, just this context of switching off in the day. It's not a bad thing, you know, and allows us just to kind of take some time and recharge. Okay, let's kind of bring it back to Oh sorry. Oh. One other thing, I just wanted to throw in there about
1: naps and sleeping. I changed my sleep habits in the last 18 months in particular, and I now sleep when I'm tired, right? I don't think of myself as an adult anymore. We've got fixated on this thought of I'm an adult. I can stay up until whatever time I want. I can, you know, do watch series. I can't watch a series. My wife hates me for that. She doesn't hate me because who I am, but she just hates me because I can't watch a series with my wife or a film. I fall asleep within 10 minutes guaranteed. So I go to bed at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, depending on when I'm tired, I'll go to bed. So when I wake up at 5.30, I don't feel like I haven't had a decent rest. I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. So, you know, encourage it. Let the kids go to bed after you. That's what I do at home. You know, my, my girls go to bed after me and I don't worry about it.
0: Brilliant. Do you reckon my three-year-old would be able to kind of just take himself to bed? That would be really well, wouldn't Let them have that responsibility. You know? I, reckon I, I reckon I'd probably go to sleep and just find him snuggled up next to me, which actually isn't a, bad, isn't a bad shout. I think I might have to spend some time thinking about this and investing in this a little bit further. Right, we've got about five minutes uh, before we get to the end of the session. I just want to explore one last thing. So we've, we've talked about uh, looking after ourselves and that productivity uh, and being able to switch off. We've talked about uh, the impact of mental health in our family, you know, um, and how we manage to to support others. And my final question to you is about how do we manage to support ourselves? And as someone who has volunteered with Samaritan, someone who kind of talks in, uh, about mental health as a real advocate uh, and training side of things, um, I know that there is no immunity to mental health, that I am just as vulnerable as... Everybody else. Um, And my question for you, just to kind of round all this up, I suppose, is what, apart from kind of sleep, because I think we've covered that one, but what do you do to, to maintain your mental health? How do you keep yourself in a healthy place, Matt?
1: Well, you know, like I said, I've made some adjustments to my life because I needed to. And I recognize that. I think the reality is that I recognize when things are starting to get a bit too you know, heavy, when things are going too hard. Um, I try and play golf once a week I've sort of got into that I'm not saying everybody can of course but I try and do that sort of activity I try and hit the gym now every couple of you know couple of days at least I, I do things that are good for me I've I think I spent a long time helping others you know first that that old adage and analogy of you know helping others which is what I did with that Samaritans role for for the first year I was there and And now I recognize I need my own space. When my daughter started having her troubles, I had to adjust everything. You know, I had to adjust everything because I knew I didn't have the capacity to be a Samaritan, to run mental health training, to work with organizations, to help my daughter and my other daughter. I've got another daughter as well. Um, And my wife, of course, you know, who was struggling with that. So, so it's making those adjustments and being conscious of those adjustments. You know, it's sort of like you've got to balance the books, and the books can't be overlaid with too many worries and concerns. And we have to really address some of those thoughts. Um, I'm very lucky. You know, I'm I'm a positive thinker, and I have positive mental health and I love talking about mental health and you know sharing my journey sharing my experience talking about my daughter and by the way my daughter knows that I talk about her and she's very comfortable with me doing so and and I wouldn't do that if that was wasn't the case and she talks about her own experiences I love it because she'll tell her friends what she's been through and they're inquisitive they want to know more and she'll share that and and you know what that's what this is all about for me I've got a big poster in my office and and it says we need to talk about mental health but what I really want to sort of leave on that thought is I think we only really talk about mental health when it's bad, and that's what the problem is right now. We only really address it when it's at problem points. My daughter only got the right support at the point that she tried to end her life, and I think that's a massive tragedy and failing on us as society, and that's what got to change. We need to learn to talk about it positively. When I talk to managers, and if you're a manager in, in, this, in this session, listen to this, don't just have conversations with people when they're struggling. <laughs> Don't just talk about mental health when it's a bad thing, when somebody's coming to you saying, I'm struggling. Talk to people about mental health as a positive, because it really is. We can have great experiences of life, enjoy our lives. That's what we're here for. My friend, a friend of mine passed away on Monday at 51 years old. He left a family with three children and a wife. You know, he wanted to live long and into his, you know, into his later years, he planned his retirement and yet he never made it. And I think that's such an important thing. We have to adjust to do things that are really important to help ourselves and to to really sort of, you know, get through our lives, I guess, and live every day. I love that thought. I hope that helps, Peter.
0: Okay, to everyone listening, just take this moment and have a think about how we look after ourselves. You know, what are the things that we need to do to actually adjust our lives, retune ourselves, make those balancing shifts? Um, Do we need to switch off more regularly? Uh, And not be afraid of it, not be ashamed of it. Um, How do we look after ourselves so as we can be the best person to look after our families? How do we support our friends during this time by encouraging them to talk about the good days as well as the bad days? You know, mental health is the good, the bad and the ugly. But I think we often kind of like you say, Matt, we often focus in on it when it's the, the bad or the ugly. We rarely talk about mental health with just how awesome positive mental health is you know and what we are able to do and how we are able to be but I think so often we get caught in this environment and in this world that is constantly asking more and more of us and the only way we can really engage with that more and more is by learning how to look after ourselves and take more time to switch off recharge and be the best version of ourselves we can be Okay, so dare I ask if you're going to take a nap in the middle of the day? Then next week, we're going to be talking with Errol Chimanga. We connected because Errol has been designing some AI, artificial intelligence, to help us talk to an app about how we are coping when there is no one else there to hear us. So then the app can share it to ensure that we get the help that is available. I may also encourage you to leave us a review on the podcast as it really helps to get the word out. And thanks again for listening to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace.